All right, Josh, come on. Okay. We're trying to record a podcast up here. Would you, yeah, would you be a little quieter, Josh? Go <laughs> play with your friends. So, uh, okay, so welcome to my wacky video. Um, I'm going to introduce you. Okay. Okay, so this is Shane Leatherby. You can't see him, but I can see him. This is, this is the guy. Hello, I'm Shane Leatherby. How do we know each other? I would say we know each other. Do you know, okay, before you start, is okay. there like a moment that you remember meeting you? A moment that I remember meeting you? Um, honestly, not particularly. Not like a, I mean, I kind of remember like first getting to know you through like IRC stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't remember like a specific moment. You're just kind of still always around, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of the way it is. Cause we, so we know each other through through church, through like yeah. being uh, kind of in the same circles in YSA, young single adults. Everybody's in the same circle. Yeah, every right. single person. It's, like, it's a massive... It's a one massive circle with like little loops. <laughs> it is. In it. That's a very good description. Yeah, yeah. That's actually, that's pretty much exactly what it is. And so Alex Williams was always just kind of there. He was around. I don't know. I didn't know him very well for a while. Yeah. And then, uh, and then it did. Yeah. And now we know each other? Now we do. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> Some people that I talked to, and I remember like specifically exactly where I met them. Because yeah. either it was like I was introduced to them by a certain person saying, Hey, this is my buddy, you know. Yeah, yeah. But with you, it was just we, you know, he's around. Each other, we yeah. were aware, and then, you know, one day I was probably like, Oh, who's that guy? Oh, that's Shane. Right. Oh, cool. You know, probably something like that. <laughs> exactly. And then, yeah, <clears throat> we were on the Institute Regional. Yeah, yeah. So for the for the yeah for for Calgary, there's like a council of people that oversee the activities yeah. for for YSA for like the church. Yeah. And then Alex was one of my minions, and I I was I was his superior. Yeah, kind of. In a way, <laughs> I mean, right? yeah, not even really. Like a, like a terrible approximation of it. Like, <laughs> that's true. That's yeah, very true. On this council. Though, Yeah. You like do something once every three months. It's exactly it, true. It's it was the worst because we had we had meetings every month, but you only had to do something once every three months. Yeah. You know, and then so a lot of the time, I was like, "Why am I here? <laughs> what am I? What am I doing? I don't know. Have you ever felt like that? I mean, I was usually I had stuff to do. Like I was supposed to, to be involved in everybody's things every month. So yeah, you had you had a lot. I did. So the month things didn't, I mean, it didn't feel like I was wasting my time every month, but I could definitely see how it felt that way for you guys, because, like, yeah. Yeah, like you just said. A lot like, of the time we showed up, and it's like, oh, how's that Halloween activity coming? And, and it's, like, it's like June. Yeah, it's like, it's June. <laughs> uh, I haven't planned anything yet. We'll let you know, though. Yeah. Uh, Halloween's on a Tuesday this year, so. <laughs> Good to yeah. know, and then, yeah. That was it. That was. That and was we, we were informed then about your activities i don't know yeah yeah it was good it was good time it was fun like being part of the planning process yeah and kind of seeing how that all goes down. i'm still actually in that capacity right now alex yeah really? yeah not long much longer though a long time yeah like two and a half something two and a something years probably not two and a half yet but so i was in there when kind of close to your beginning you... yeah yeah you were you were yeah. that's true Well, lucky you, because it gets a little old. Because I moved. That's, that's how you escaped? Yeah, yeah. I, moved, I moved away 
different war and to bring with. But then everybody started saying saying things like, oh, we're going to call you to be the new Brentwood rep and stuff. And I said, please no. <laughs> so, you were good at it, Alex. So, I mean, I'm not even surprised. I was good at it. You were. You were good at it. You were. You were involved. I mean, that's more you can say I for a lot of those up. people. I that's right. Up. Yeah, you showed up. That's the that's the bare minimum requirement. There was this one month that it was really it was really warm, and Alex brought a fan with him. Oh yeah. And yeah. sat on the floor in order to avoid the hot air. Yeah, yeah. And sat and with his personal fan. It was in this meeting. Like. It was awesome. Yeah, we were in a meeting. How many people are in that meeting? Like twenty almost. There's something like that. Yeah. yeah. We're sitting in that room. I'm <laughs> like, it's too hot. Yeah. Turned on my That's right. Fan you made your just, pants into like. Just sat on the floor with <laughs> in front of me, and I was like curled around it. It was it was so weird, but it was so good though too. It was yeah. so good. Yeah, and then uh, and then like the real adults that were there, you know, the high council. Yeah, the high council is all these old white men in like suits, full on. Like, yeah. just, like, what is this guy doing? Who is this? Yeah, it was uh, uh brother Cal <laughs> and brother Erasmus were always in those meetings and stuff, and they were probably just like. I think Brother Rasmus probably just laughed at me. Brother Rasmus has a pretty good sense of humor. Actually, so does Brother Cacao. But there's some of the other ones that are... Actually, most of those guys are pretty good. They're pretty good. They're, they're pretty, pretty good. good. They're pretty good. But I do think they were kind of like, Alex, <laughs> what's wrong with <laughs> Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was just sitting there enduring it in my suit. You know what I mean? I was just soaking in the heat. Yeah. No fan for me. No, you're a tough man. But I like... <laughs> That's so fair. I, I've worn shorts to church because Jesus understands. Jesus gets it. Jesus never wore a suit. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen those paintings? Of Jesus? It's documented proof. Yeah. He's definitely only ever wore like a, a, a robe a type robe. situation. Yeah. yeah. Very breezy. Very breezy. Super com- comfortable. I should get one of those. You should get a robe and wear it to church. Yeah. That would be good. Actually, I think I would like to see that anyway. Yeah. I think anybody something weird yeah people love that yeah that'd be awesome but yeah that's how we know each other other. so that's that's uh perfect um yeah they're good groups it was really good um and that's how i got to know evan laurie as well yeah who i've also had on the podcast evan laurie is probably one of the handsomest men i've ever seen in my life I don't know if he brought that up in the podcast. I did. That's how did I you? Him. He's so handsome. It's unreal. Yeah. He's like got this like this like kind of mystical, like kind of like mysterious, quiet sort of <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that like kind of this vampire, like sexy, like interview with a vampire feeling like yeah. look to him. Yeah, he's just like solid, all around, good looking dude. And so nice. Such a nice guy. The nicest. Can't can't enough of that, Evan Laurier. Yeah, yeah, actually though. That's that's how everybody describes him. And I always tell him that. I'm like, yeah. But that's the thing. Is he's so humble about it, too. I don't even think yeah. he believes it when he's people just, tell him that. He's just, uh, I can't believe that guy. He just smiles and, you know, well, thanks, Alex. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah on, on the podcast, when I had him on, I said, this, I have today my best-looking friend on the show. <laughs> and, and I said, I wish you could see him. I wish there were cameras, but this is audio only. Take it, yeah, just take the word for it. Yeah. Well, now you've got a second, you know, witness to that. Exactly. We have two witnesses. Yeah. Um, so every, every listener, 
that it's 100% true. It is 100% true. They got kind of a sexy voice, too, so maybe they already know. He's just a, like, good all-around guy. He is. So, but anyways, this is about you. Right, not Evan, well, and how, how attractive he is. We should just have, we should just have a whole podcast. Just <laughs> every episode. Everybody just... Tell me what you think about Evan. Well, I've never met him. Here's a picture. Well, he's the most handsome man I've ever seen. So right, fashionable, so. too. Oh, and it, fashionable. We, we, can't, we gotta stop talking about him. We gotta stop talking I mean, about I could Evan. go on about Evan Actually, for seriously. hours. Anybody could. Anybody could. He's amazing. So anyways, where were you born? I was born here in Calgary. Yeah. Uh, born and mostly raised. Uh, well, I mean, actually entirely raised. But the thing is, here's the thing. Is, uh, like, I, I've spent... A lot of my childhood, I guess this is kind of like a, a, a thing about me, and, and also kind of something I'm very lucky for, you know what I mean, is that uh, my parents were really into traveling and going places and things like that, and so like from a very young age, I've, I've been, you know, traveling all kind of a lot of places, I've been able to go a lot of yeah. places, and uh, as an adult, I feel like I've, I mean, I've done more of that kind of on my own for longer periods of time, uh, I mean, without my parents, obviously, and uh yeah, I don't know, like, I feel like they kind of instilled that travel bug, wanderlust in me uh, from a very young age. So they have no one to blame but themselves, really, for how I've turned out. It's yeah. entirely... Shane, you're spending all your money on plane tickets. Well, you, you can't blame me that that on me, mother. Like... Yeah, you raised me this way. <laughs> you raised me. All extra income. Every penny of it. That's where it goes. Flying away. <laughs> no, but I think it is very important. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I think it's really important to travel. I think it's, well, I don't know. And maybe I'm a little biased because I've been lucky enough to have that opportunity. But like, yeah. it's it's been good. It's been formative. And I think it's given me some good perspective. Which is pretty sweet. So, um, so you said, said that it gave you some cool perspective. Were there any uh, trips you took when you were younger that lended themselves particularly to perspective gaining? It's a great question, Alex. A great question indeed. Hold on, let me think about that for two seconds. Um, okay, I will discuss two trips in particular that gave me good good perspective. Um, one was one that gave me a lot of perspective. I think was um, was Egypt. Uh, went to Egypt with yeah. my family and 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 some other uh, people that we actually didn't. This is interesting, actually. Uh, there's this other family on the on in the, like the tour group that we were with. We're actually from Edmonton, which is like three hours north of here, and yeah. we met them in Egypt there, That's awesome. and like have remained friends with them still, like some of our best family friends. Really? Yeah, yeah. And it's it's kind of weird, but yeah, that's how we met them. Anyway, awesome. Egypt was very good because I think that was kind of, like my parents are very good about this too. When we travel, it wasn't just like let's go stay at a resort. You know what I mean? It was very much like try to um, go into situations where we actually like see how people lived, like really get a feel of the country yeah. that we were in. Um, and so that was kind of something that I think, well, in particular, Egypt, like being the way that it is really, um, exposed me, I guess, to other ways that people live. Um, we got the chance to like go into like some villages and things like that. And like, I mean, couldn't talk to people directly because I, we did not speak the same language, but like really see how they live and stuff like that. And for me, I mean, coming from a fairly privileged lifestyle to be, to be, to be frank, it kind of really opened my eyes to like, wow, like this is not the only way that people live. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And I think maybe that was kind of around the first time that I really started to recognize that. And uh, kind of in a, a similar vein, the other another trip that was pretty impactful was Panama. Okay. 
Um, I went there for Christmas with some of our other family friends who are actually from Panama. The Velasquez's. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Went with the Velasquez's. And, uh, and also, <laughs> also, Evan Laurie's fiance and her family, because we were friends growing up. Oh, they went? Yeah, they, they all, we all went together. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, and it, that one was good because we didn't do any sort of like tours or anything like that. We just kind of like stayed with our friends, like who we knew very well in like their, their homes and hung out with their friends and stuff like that. And so again, that was kind of a similar thing. I mean, it's obviously not even close to Egypt and like the, the you know, the poverty and things like that we saw there. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was still cool because we were kind of like very much living in like the normal, what what is normal in another, another place. <laughs> Jeez, Alex, with all these mouthful yeah, outbursts. That... <laughs> I, I don't know why I sneezed. Yeah. Pretty spring out there, so um, makes sense. But yeah, I mean, I think those are really important, really good experiences. Um, I uh, I served a mission for my church um, that was kind of right out of high school, yeah. and that was kind of my first experience, really, like not not with my parents, you know what I mean, going yeah. somewhere like really on my own. Uh, and I served in the Philippines, yeah. So I lived there for two years, and I, again, that was probably the Philippines. I guess was even more so. It was like, I mean, because it was the first time being out completely away from my family, yeah. completely immersed in another culture, another language, yeah. um, that I really started to get a feel of uh, even more so how other people live. And I think it's shaped a lot of the way I want to live, like when I get back here and what I want to do and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. How soon after high school did you go? Directly out of high Like, I, I left, well, I guess I had the summer. Yeah. So I, I guess I graduated in, in June, I guess, from high school, and I left in August. Yeah. Um, to go to the Philippines. And there I was for two years and no breaks. Yeah. What was, what was that like uh, getting your call to the Philippines? Because you've always liked traveling. I have always liked traveling. I really wanted to go. So. I really wanted to go somewhere. I, I had in my head that I was going to go Spanish speaking. Yeah. Somewhere in the, I don't know, I, I wanted to go to Spain. That was kind of my, yeah. the place I wanted to did go. Did you already speak some Spanish back then? I did, so I'd been taking it in high school and I was, okay. I was okay. I was really into it. I was really into it. I loved, I loved speaking Spanish. I loved learning Spanish. I was like super I guess, energetic. Energetic? What did I say? Uh, <laughs> I was really excited about Spanish. And, so that, and, and a lot of other, like a lot of missionaries, like in the church, there's a huge number that go to Spanish speaking countries. Oh, totally, yeah. Like so many. Yeah. And so I was like, well, that's, that's going to happen to me. Yeah. And then the Philippines didn't even cross my mind, to be honest. And then, so I get, you get your call, and, like, they, you don't pick. Like, you just, it gets assigned to you, right? Yeah. And so, you just, I opened it up, and I was, like, reading it. And the Philippines never even crossed my mind, but I was like, cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then I read, like, the, you'll, uh, you'll be serving in the Tagalog language. Yeah. And I had, I had never heard of that before. I was yeah. like, what is that? Like, what language is that? <laughs> I was like, you'll be serving in, I was reading it out loud. I was like, you'll be serving in the Tagalog? Yeah. Like, language. <laughs> But yeah, and so that was kind of, it was kind of this weird thing where I was like slightly disappointed because I had in my mind that I wanted to go Spanish speaking. Yeah. But like, I was really excited because I was like, Philippines, that's so, what an adventure, you know? Yeah, it's totally foreign. It turns out Tagalog is like super useful and spoken very widely. In like, Canada, yeah. yeah in, well, everywhere. everywhere. There's yeah. Filipinos everywhere, man. So yeah, I guess that was actually my, my main concern is I was like, I've never heard of this language. I'm probably going to go on my mission, speak it, come home, never have the chance to speak it again. Yeah, yeah, and it'll be gone. And yeah. what did I learn it for? Yeah. But here I am in Calgary, and there's so many Filipinos, and I'm, 
<laughs> so I'm I'm engaged to be to be married, yeah. and uh, my wife or my my fiance, my soon to be wife, yeah. uh, she she's from the Philippines. Was uh, like, she, born over there? she was born there. Yeah. She's been in Canada for like almost her whole life, yeah. so she's pretty whitewashed. Yeah. Um, yeah. But her parents are pretty Filipino, and so like when I when I'm with them, I speak. Uh, maybe not Tagalog all the time, but definitely like Taglish, like definitely a mix of English yeah. and Tagalog, like all the time with yeah. the family. Which is awesome. Which is great. It's a great way to keep your that's, your that's language. That's that's actually the entire reason. I gotta keep this. I gotta keep going. When you, when you got back, you said I gotta find some. I gotta find a Filipino girl. Because you got back two years ago. I got back almost three years ago now. Almost three years. Yeah. Bro, back, wow. you were one of the eighteen. I was one. Of, yes, I was one of the the leave when you're eighteen crowd. Yeah. Yeah. What was that experience like? Did you feel ready for that? Um, I don't know. I guess so. See, I remember this because they announced... Um, so, yeah, the way it worked was they, they changed the age that you could go on a mission. Yeah. Like, right, like, just like a year or so before I was then able to leave. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was good because kind of my plan had been, like, I'll just work for a year. Because it's kind of... So the way it used to be, you'd leave when you were 19. Which is kind of an awkward time because you graduate when you're 18, typically, yeah. from high school. And uh, and then you have, like, this year of, like, do I go to university? Do I work? Like, what what do I do with just one year before I leave, you know? And so then when they changed it, I was like, oh, well, that solves the problem. You know what I mean? That, that was kind of probably more my, um, my, my thoughts on it than anything else. Kind of solved a little nuisance. Yeah. It was kind of cool, though, because I was with... Um, I was watching, like when they made that announcement, I was with a bunch of my friends and we were all kind of able then to go at the exact same time and right at a high school. And yeah. Yeah. Cause that was pretty cool. We all left at the same time. We had all these crazy experiences and we came back and we were all I guess, together. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. That's awesome. And, um, and so you're out there for two years. Yeah. Didn't come home. Did not come home. You, uh, got to call home twice a year. Yep. Mother's Day and Christmas. Yeah. Do they, now, do they have Mother's Day in the Philippines? It's like on a different day than it is in Canada, or did you just go by? You know, I don't think it. I don't think so. I mean, the, the it, Mother's Day that exists in the Philippines is North American Mother's Day or oh, okay, Mother's okay. Day anywhere else. I don't think it's as big a deal though. Maybe. Oh, okay. Um, I think it's definitely just kind of more of a convention here. They just there's people celebrate it for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but as far as I'm aware, and I, I'm not the authority on all things Filipino by any means, but so maybe I'm completely wrong and. Everything yeah. I'm saying right now, it's totally Maybe possible. It's yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, I, people that I talked to, it never, it never really came up too much. Like, I'd say, like, oh, we're calling for Mother's Day. And they'd be like, oh, kind of, like, know what it means. But yeah, it didn't seem like it was that big a deal. Okay. Huh. From my, my observations, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. So how was it learning the language? The language was... So you go... You get trained in the language for, like, six weeks before you actually arrive in the... Yeah. There's an MTC in the Philippines. There is, but I, I went to, Utah. I was in Utah. I got sent to Utah for the MTC. Oh, okay. the, yeah, the Missionary Training Center is where you learn the language and stuff. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I got there. So I got there. I was the first one to arrive because I was coming from um, Canada, yeah. obviously. And um, everybody else, like in my, my, my district, they call them, like my group, yeah. was coming from like either Utah or like real close by. So I flew in early because that was when the flight was, and they all kind of like arrived throughout the day. So I was the first one to arrive there. I walked to this like classroom that I'm supposed to like meet with people in, and I walk in, and there's like these two guys there, and they just start like going off at me in Tagalog, and I was like, I don't, 
I don't know what you're saying. And like, they yeah. just like, they wouldn't speak English and that's like part of the training process. Yeah. Um, so that you learn it, like you're immersed. Yeah. But like, I was like, okay, like, I don't, I don't know what you want from me. And it was like very, it was very frustrating and kind of yeah. like scary at first. Cause like, I don't know anybody here. There's nobody here except for these two dudes that are speaking Tagalog to me. But, um, the MTC was good. I mean, you can't, I don't think you can really learn a language that effectively, especially not in like six weeks no. without being in a place that you're just completely immersed in it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Cause when we weren't in class, we would be speaking English and stuff like that. Yeah. But once I got to the Philippines, it, it started to come a lot more quickly because you, you're just forced to learn it, you know? Yeah. You go out and you speak it all day, every day. Yeah. Um, my my first companion was Filipino. He could speak very good English, though, so that was lucky for me. It's not always the case. Yeah. My second companion had been in the mission for, like, quite a while, and he was from Utah, but he, like, still, I think, struggled a bit with the language. Oh, really? Yeah, and so that was... I mean, actually, that was pretty good because that really kind of forced... I guess both of us to like really kind of like step it up. We're like, well, neither of us speaks it. So like, and we have to talk to people. So like yeah. we got, we better learn this, you know? And I felt yeah. like that really helped me like push me along. Yeah. I felt like after about six months in the Philippines, I was quite fluent. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Do they, now in the Philippines, do they speak a lot of English? Um, or, like, was that a struggle where people kind of, you know, looking at you and saying, Oh, well just speak English. Cause <laughs> I, you know, sometimes. I, yeah. Um, the Philippines is an interesting place because there's so many languages and dialects there. Yeah. So many. And so, like, the the region that I actually served in was the Bicol region. And so the actual language there is Bicolano, uh, not Tagalog. Um, but the thing with Bicolano is it's very different. Like, from town to town, it varies immensely, the dialect. Really? Yeah. So the thing is, when you're in a mission, you get transferred around. Yeah. And so the issue was, if you learn Bicolano, you get transferred like three months after, like you, you stay in an area for like three months, you get transferred and then the dialect's completely different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Then, and then you can't speak it anymore. So we were taught Tagalog because it's the national language and pretty much everybody can speak Tagalog to some degree. I mean, yeah. usually quite well, usually yeah. quite well. Um, but I think as far as speaking English, it really depends. I think if I was in Manila, I don't even know how I'd learn Tagalog because everybody there speaks English. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. So be like, well, I don't need to speak Tagalog. But yeah. in Bicol, some people could understand quite well. Um, a lot of people can understand a lot better than they can speak. Yeah. Um, sometimes they'd say, just speak English. I'd be like, no, I'm trying to learn this yeah. language. Yeah. Let me practice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was good. I felt like, honestly, like I, feel, I feel like I really, if there's one thing I did really well on my mission, it was learn the language. That was yeah. for sure a thing. Yeah. I really love languages. I think it's, you know, you see all these things in like the, the news these days about like I don't know like there was like this story I don't know if you heard about this this guy that like yelled at people for like speaking Spanish in his restaurant and like oh, tried yeah. to kick him out and stuff like that and that's not like the only case that's the one that stood out a lot to me yeah. and like but you hear about that kind of thing all the time it just blows my mind because it's like man languages are so cool you know like yeah. there's there's so much like on like legitimately this is a real thing for me whenever I like see people speaking like their their like native language to each other like, it just kind of, like, brings this smile to my face. Yeah. It's so exciting. Like, I, I can't understand them, but, like, that's, that's, not, that's not, I mean, they're not, they're, not, they're not talking to me. Like, yeah. it's just so, like, cool and exciting, and, and, and I love learning languages because language is so intimately tied with the culture of a place. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, I remember I had this companion on my mission, and he was really struggling a lot with the language. He was really struggling with the Um, But he also 
really like was not embracing like Filipino culture at all. Oh, okay. And I was like, if you want to learn, you you got to just like fully embrace the culture. Yeah. You just got to kind of like forget about. He was from Australia. I was like, you just kind of got to forget about Austra- like what it's like to be Australian, live in Australia, and you just got to kind of like leave that behind for a bit and like really just kind of like fully embrace being Filipino and what that means. Yeah. And that helps so much because a lot of the way that people talk, the things they talk about, the, the, in a lot of languages they have words for something that you don't have in your, in your language because the concept doesn't exist. You know what I mean? It doesn't, or yeah. it is, or, or it's it not identical. Like yeah. yeah. It's, not, it's not, you know, it, you can pretty much communicate any, any concept or any thought in another language, but sometimes it doesn't quite transfer quite as well because, because of cultural differences. Yeah, there's a very slight, slight difference. Exactly. In what it means. Yeah. And so, and he, he, uh, he was a little... He was a little um, resistant to that at first, but he, he, he eventually did embrace it quite well. And he, he got real good. He got real good at the language. Really? Yeah, he did. And uh, we're, we're really good friends, actually. He's one of my better friends from my mission. Yeah. So lear- learning that, uh, that culture assisted you in, in the language, how did, how did you immerse yourself in, in the Filipino culture? Good question, Alex. Good question. Almost like you like have a podcast where you do that for like yeah. you know your thing. Um, great question. I mean, you're in it. Like, yeah, you're there. I mean, like that's the reality, and that helps a lot. Is like that you just can't, you you can't not be in it. You're in it. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, it also helped a lot. I think a lot of my companions. So after those first two, the next like three or four companion, four companions I had, like couldn't speak English, really? and so that was like that was great. You know what I mean? Because, like, the person that you spend all your time with, you have to communicate with them in that language, and you have to, like, embrace their culture to really understand them. Um, I think it has a lot to do with... Well, it depends on the culture. In the Philippines, food, people <laughs> love their food. Yeah. Um, and so, just embracing that, eating whatever it is, you know what I mean? Like, trying it and, and, and learning to love it. Yeah. Um, I know that... Was that a challenge for you though? Because they eat a lot of meat. They do. So yeah, here's the thing. I'm a, I'm a I'm a I'm a pescatarian. Okay. So I eat fish. Yeah. Um, and before my mission, I was, but going into the Philippines, I knew I knew, yeah. I was like, this cannot, this will not hold in the Philippines. I can't yeah. I can't do it. I went to a Filipino wedding once. It was ten dishes of meat. Yeah. And then like a dish of rice. Yeah, that's right. That's exact. That is that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's all. That's what they eat. And so I knew especially as a missionary because you have to kind of connect to these people and you have to like, you know, respect them and like, and, and, and accept what they give you. Oof. And especially in the Philippines because people are so generous yeah. and, and oftentimes, especially in the region I was serving in, um, they have so little. Yeah. And so, you, and, and also like there's this big culture of, um, kind of it, being insulted, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you don't want to insult people. Yeah. Especially as, as like a missionary. And so, um, yeah, I was like, I get, I'm going to have to eat meat on my mission. Like, I knew it. So, like, in the MTC, I had, like, some meat. Me and, my, me and one of my good friends, Kendall Reed. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were in the MTC at the same time. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. And he hates pickles. And yeah. so I was like, I'm going to eat this meat. And as I went over him, I was like, I'm going to eat this for the first time. And he's like, I was like, I don't know if I can do it, though. And he's like, all right, if you do that, I'll eat this pickle at the same time. Yeah. And so we, like, ate him at the same time. We both, like, almost threw up. It was disgusting. Really? Anyway, yeah, it was really bad. Um, but then, uh, yeah, was, then when I got to the Philippines, it was quite a, um, an adjustment yeah. to be able to eat meat all the time. That was a big thing. But you did that. But I did that. And this, I mean, <laughs> a lot of it's really delicious. So like 
once I got used to it, like I was there for two years, it was yeah. it was fine. Then I came home and I reverted back to my ways because I still believe what I believe about animals. Yeah. And uh and animal cruelty. Yeah, yeah, because for you it's a matter of yeah, it is. It's it's a kind of a moral reason. That's right. Yeah, I, I I mean there is. I suppose I believe we talked about this before. Yeah, we be, I believe that there is health benefits to being vegetarian. Yeah, that's not my reason though. You know, yeah, my reason is, um, I don't agree with slaughterhouses as as an institution. I think that they mistreat animals hugely. Yeah, um, they 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 farm them. You know what I mean? Like they grow them as if they're just like plants. Yeah, crops. You know what I mean? Like they, yeah. that they just like fill with hormones so that they produce the best and the most meat. Yeah. There's no, there's no, I was going to say there's no quality of life. There's no life really. Yeah. Like they'll, they'll sniff the beaks off of chickens so they don't peck each other because they have them so jam packed together that they'll peck each other because they get uncomfortable in the space. So yeah. they cut the beaks off and, uh, they put them in these little cages and, and, and fill them up with hormone, like so many hormones that they just yeah. like can't even stand their legs break under them. Alex, their legs break under them. It's a mess. Cows too. Their legs break under them because they pump them with so many things. And so that's my that's my reason for eating meat. I now I know that that's not all, like the way that all animals are. Yeah, yeah, you, you know, know farms. there are some farms that. Yeah, I mean, especially we live in Alberta. You know what I mean? There's, well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of cows here, yeah. and and you see them that they're not in slaughterhouses. They are, on they're farms. Roaming around, hanging yeah. out. I mean, my grandfather's a farmer. And, yeah. I mean, he loves his cows more than anything. <laughs> there you go. And I mean, eventually they get sold off. Right and, right and go to the butcher right. But, but they've had a life, you know what I mean. That's and that's yeah, the thing. Yeah. But I'm still a vegetarian or a pescatarian because uh, I still, like, I mean, it's it becomes so hard to like differentiate between okay, well, this cow was treated well enough for me to eat in his life. It's expensive. It is expensive as well. It's true. To, to <laughs> I mean, yeah, not eating meat is has some serious economic benefits as well. Because meat is expensive. Meat is super expensive. I yeah, I'm almost I'm almost vegetarian. Are you? Just because of money. <laughs> yeah. Because it's so expensive. Yeah, people are, you know, I'm like, well, I don't have money for, for meat this month. So, I mean, right. yeah, yeah, literally the only time I eat meat is when somebody cooks it for me. <laughs> it says, here's, here's some, here's a hamburger, Alex. I'm like, oh, wow, thanks. I love burgers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should, you should see my fridge. It's is sparse with, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I could be eat out of it. Yeah, you could, you could. Yeah, so that, I mean, that's interesting, and that's—I mean—that's an interesting challenge that you had to overcome because it, it wasn't like you were allergic to it. Yeah, exactly. Basically, your body is capable of digesting. Yeah, but once you get used to it, it becomes pretty hard. The like, if I eat meat now, yeah. I mean, I've been back for three years now. Yeah. And like, I'm pretty much adjusted back to the way my body was, you know. Yeah. And so if I eat meat now, it'll like it'll kind of upset my stomach a bit. No, it won't be crazy, but it'll like give me a bit of an upset stomach. Yeah. Which is interesting. My aunt is vegetarian, actually. Yeah. And she, she had a similar experience. She tried to leave once, and it just... Doesn't go well. No, no. Yeah, yeah so that's... Uh, I mean, that's that's a pretty interesting challenge that you had to over overcome for that. And I mean, you were talking about the perspective that you, you gained from all of your travels from these different trips that you've been on and stuff. And that was two years mm-hmm. of perspective gained. Yeah, yeah. And... Is there is there any like major way that it totally changed you from when you started oh. to when you finished? My goodness, a, a lot of ways I would say. I mean, one of the major ones I think is so before my mission, I had this idea that I wanted to be. Well, originally I wanted to be a psychologist, 
And then I decided, primarily because Jeff Winger from Community is cool, I wanted to be a lawyer. Yeah. Uh, that was that was pretty much That's my reason. reason, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, he's kind of also a douche, and they really play that up. But I don't know. I guess I couldn't see past that at eighteen. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so. I had this idea that I wanted to be a lawyer. I didn't really know why, or I was just like, well, like, there's money there, and Jeff Winger's cool, and, you know? Yeah. Um, when I was on my mission, I really kind of, like, again, I kind of, we were talking about earlier, I became much more aware of the, the real situation of a lot of people mm-hmm. outside of my, you know, my little bubble of... of um, Canadian nice living. Yeah, and, like, I, and I don't mean to, like... I'm not, we're not, my family's not grossly wealthy by any means, but we're like, we're quite well off comparatively, you know, yeah. even compared to a lot of people within Calgary, like yeah. there's, there's a, there's a big, there's a big difference there, I guess. Yeah. And I, on my mission, I became acutely aware of that because a lot of the people we'd visit and like that became very important in my life, became very good friends of mine. They lived in, in, you know, little kind of like shacks that they had made out of wood, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the the things that they would eat would be would be very kind of humble. And uh like it just kind of became very started to become very real to me that like this is this is the reality for not just these people, but so many people all over the place, like all over the world. Mm-hmm. And so I got I start I mean, I was exposed to it for, like almost constantly for two years and I and I really loved these people. And so I I, I became very passionate about it and like well now like the reason that I I, I study now I study in university. I'm studying international relations. I have a minor in law and society okay. um, because what I want to do is I want to get into like human rights law. I want to kind of hopefully create more of a situation of equality for, um, for people that are, are living, I guess, in, in poverty. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's not an, and this is the thing is it's not an easy fix. The more I study it, the more I realize that, um, that it's not just going to be as easy as like, well, let's make some, make an international law. And, yeah, write in this policy yeah. and... <laughs> There we go. It'll be fixed, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like that, that was kind of, it really like, it, it shaped me a lot. I think it kind of shaped a lot of what I, what I believe in now and what I, what I wanted to accomplish when I came home. And I remember when I did come home and I went through university, like I remember it, during my first year, it really, really bothered me a lot. Like I was, I would just be sitting there and I'd be like, what, why do I have to jump through these hoops of academia in order to be able to help these people? You know what I mean? I was, I was very frustrated by it. Cause I was like, man, like I can't be a lawyer without this. I can't, um, I can't make, you know, great changes in the way that I want to, or at least I didn't think I could at that time, um, for these people's situation, unless I go through all these years of sitting in these classrooms. And it really frustrated me. It really frustrated me a lot. And, um, I think, I've kind of come around a little bit more. I, re- I recognize, well, first of all, that you can make meaningful change without a university degree. Yeah. Um, but also, I think I kind of have become a little bit desensitized to it. You know, like, I got used to living in um, these big houses and, yeah. and eating whatever I want, you know, whenever I want. There's somewhere I can I can buy food. And, yeah. And, and just having such a good quality of life that I've, it's kind of become distant. It's, it's become a kind of a little bit more of a distant memory, like the reality that I lived in every day when I was on my mission. Mm-hmm. And that's frustrating when I think about it because, I mean, it's something I was very passionate about and I still am passionate about it, but I feel like I'm a little less in tune with, with, with why I was so passionate about it to begin with yeah. now than I was back then. Um, you've been taken out of it. 
yeah, I've been taken out of it. I'm, I'm now back in this, in, in this lifestyle, in, in the lifestyle of North America. Yeah. And uh, it is frustrating, to be honest. But again, that's another reason why it's so important, I think, to, to travel, to see the... And it doesn't even have to be like... You know what? And here's the thing. Traveling is nice because you get to see that, that side of um, life as well as experience other cultures. But you don't need to travel very far, I think, in most situations to see the, the way that other people live. Like, to see that people live in a very different kind of sphere from you, mm-hmm. you know? Like, here in Calgary, I've had the opportunity to volunteer at, like, the homeless shelter and things like that. And uh, there's people right here in my city that, that live a very kind of different lifestyle than I do. A very, a very, they have a very, like, a, a poor quality of life in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, Economically, I suppose, primarily. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I think it's a, that's a, it's a tough thing, Alex, and it, it consumes my mind a lot. That's a, it's a big thing I think about a lot. Yeah, yeah. Have you been back to the Philippines since? I haven't been back yet. Yeah. Um, I wanted to, and it's probably a pretty expensive plane ticket. Eh? It's a, it's a bit pricey. It's a, <laughs> it's a bit pricey, and I, I am a student. Yeah. Even though I, I live in, you know, Canada and. I have a very high quality, I mean, comparatively, a very high quality of life, and yeah. it's still... It's still expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I want to go back. Um, my soon-to-be wife and I, we, we've been kind of planning to do that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, hopefully that's something we're able to do fairly soon, I think. That'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah. And when you, I mean, with with you studying international relations and human rights and all of these things how how do you want to apply that in a career because you want to advocate for those good things and you know promote those things and stuff yeah you know would you go back and work kind of like ground zero or where would you know how would you how would you imagine ideally working you know that is a great freaking question alex um (laughs) like honestly it's hard to say yeah. Um, because it also depends on what jobs would be available, you know, what avenues would be available to me. Yeah. I love the idea of doing a kind of very ground zero thing. Um, like I, so I also love the idea of being like very much a big kind of like policy maker in like the UN or something like that. But the more I study, the more I realize that that actually doesn't affect very meaningful change in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. And so I think a great way to do it would be very much kind of on like an individual case basis. Or you're, you know, in that situation, and you're you're representing um, a specific person or group of people mm-hmm. uh, in a in a case for for human rights, um, like within their country or something like that. Yeah, I do like that idea, and I want. I, it's very important to me that I don't live here in Calgary forever. Yeah, as well. So like, I would love to do something like that, living in the Philippines or <laughs> anywhere. I mean, there's a lot of places that are that are pretty, um, I mean, have similar situations to what I saw on my mission. Yeah. I mean, we, we have a very charmed life here. We do. Like you can, you can walk down to the river, take a cup of water and drink it. Yeah, you could, you could do that. Yeah. Yeah. And other, other places in the world don't have that. And so I think it's awesome that you've kind of been able to gain that perspective because I haven't done much traveling. I didn't take my first flight till last year, you know. Is that true? Yeah. Where'd you go? I went to Idaho. Oh, wow. So, yeah, great. <laughs> really, really expanding my horizons, right? <coughs> yeah. So, 
So I mean, it was. Uh, <coughs> I mean, yeah. So I don't. I don't have that same. Uh, you know, uh, ground zero perspective. Perspective gaining and stuff. So you you got back from your mission and you went. Did you go straight into the international relations kind of study? Um, I did. I didn't. At first, I was a law and society major, mostly because I didn't know what international relations was, or that even that it was really an option for for me. Yeah. Um, it was because I had a friend or two that were, were studying that, that I was like, huh, I mean, that sounds, that sounds like what I want to do. Yeah. Uh, international relations, the degree in international relations is a lot more, um, political than, like, it's not, it's not just like humanitarian stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. actually law and society is much more kind of geared towards, um, I guess legal matters. And I mean, obviously, and I guess, I guess like, <laughs> societal matters as well social matters yeah but uh no international relations is really more of the study of how different nations interact on like a a kind of the, the scale of uh, the entire country mm-hmm. um seeing why states act the way they do within the international system um not so much seeing how people in one country interact with people in another country yeah so it's kind of a macro study it is right? much more of a macro study than a than a micro individual level approach but i think that's why i have the the minor as well in um in law and societies because i still i mean that's what i want to get involved with so yeah. i still get a bit of that perspective with what i'm studying and that's at the uc it's at the uc yeah. yes yeah. well that's fantastic that's awesome so um moving forward with that do you have like a like a big dream like you know some sort of idealized maybe not you know you know, if, if you could have it anyway, Oof. what would your future look like? It's a great question. Man, Alex, you're, you're asking the big questions that haunt a 20-something. <laughs> um, I would love to... Hmm. See, the thing is, I, don't, I, don't, I feel like I don't want to end up somewhere. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Maybe when I retire, I mean, I'll end up somewhere. But what I mean, what I mean is, like, for my life and my career, I don't want to, like... I don't have like a goal that I want to get to and be like, all right, now I've made it, you know, now I've hit my goal. I very much want to continue to, I guess, work in, in different places and, and, and do different things and see different people and have different experiences um, and continue to kind of move forward and move around. Because yeah. I feel like once you, you settle down in that, in, that, in that sense, you kind of stagnate a bit. And um, like, I would love to work for some time. Definitely, absolutely, I want to go back to the Philippines because that, I mean, it's, that country's really kind of captured my heart. Yeah. Um, I, there's a lot of people there that I'm, I, I feel very close to or I, I felt very close to. I mean, it's been three years since I've seen them now. Um, but, so I'd love to work there for a while and, and kind of maybe do some of the on-the-ground type of work. Um, yeah. I'd also love to live in, like, Switzerland um, and, and maybe work for, like, the EU or the UN and, and be involved in some sort of policy making measures um, for part of my life or I mean this is, this is the dream you know what I mean this is probably not all these things are possible to, to actually have happen we'll yeah. see maybe maybe um, I think those are kind of like the main things um, I'd like to write a book maybe yeah I mean that it's completely non-related I guess like a novel yeah, like a novel. I'd love really? to write. A, I'd love to write a novel. That'd be cool. I wanted to be a rock star when I was young. Yeah. Yeah. But that has nothing to do with anything that I'm doing now, and 
I don't think I would. I don't think I'd get that much fulfillment out of it because it's fun. I mean, yeah. the idea of it sounds fun, but I don't. I mean, I don't just want to be an entertainer. I want to be a. And that you know, that's not. <laughs> Entertainers, especially musicians, I would say, have the capacity to actually make a lot of social change. Absolutely. So. Maybe I should be a rock star. Maybe that's the yeah, way I'm going to be most yeah, effective. You're going way the wrong way. I'm going completely wrong direction. Don't, don't get a degree. Don't go to school. Become a rock star. <laughs> that's right. And, that's and a secret. that's where you'll really be able to make the, that change. Yeah, totally. You're going you're gonna to change the world as a rock star. Through music. Through music. Yes. Through music. That's all you're going to do. Well, I mean, you can be a rock star on the side. On the side. While I'm also in, invoking. I, not anymore, really. Okay. I wasn't a band when I came. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've had any of them on the show. Probably not yet. Uh, that, you were with Troy, right? Yeah, it was with Troy. And it was Troy Mike. and Mike in Sydney. In Sydney, I've met Sydney once, I think. Sydney is has just married a an American and is stuck yeah. in America for a year. She can't leave the country because she's right. getting her green card. So yeah, right, right. The band kind of fell apart last year because last summer. Yeah. Because Mike graduated and got accepted to law school in Edmonton. And Sydney moved to the States for this boy that she's now marrying. Yeah. And I went to Spain for a semester abroad. Yeah. And so Troy was kind of left all alone. Yeah. He's the only one left in Calgary from our band. So after that, it kind of just fell apart. We've uh, hung out kind of like, you know, periodically yeah. um, from time to time. Not all together. I don't think we've all met up together once since last summer. Yeah, really. And uh, stuff. But yeah, so like the band kind of fell apart. We do have some songs, though, that we Troy, put online. Yeah. Troy plugs them. He plugs them. He does. In his podcast. He's actually, Troy's still, he, he's, uh, he's doing a pretty active job of, of promoting those, actually. Yeah. They're online. You can, the you can buy them. Yeah, The Understudies is our name, as well as the name of many, many other bands. I think our website is We Are The Understudies, though. You can buy our songs or at least listen to them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, check out We Are The Understudies. Yeah. That's uh, one thing. One thing. I mean, you are a rock star. I'm a rock star. Yeah, I'm a professional that? musician, you could say, because you know, I mean, not, I mean, not really, but like we do sell our songs. Yeah, exactly. I have made money by playing music in Which my life. Which is pretty awesome. Yeah, it's pretty like, cool. I made this bucket list once, and that was one of the things on my bucket list. And like yeah. a few years later, I was like, we were playing our first like play, paid gig, and I was like, I did it. This is a thing that was on my bucket yeah. list, and I did it. Yeah. Uh, I was a drummer. I'm a, I am a drummer. I still yeah. play the drums, That's although true. barely ever anymore. I'm very. Very not active at playing drums anymore. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm busy, you know. Yeah, I guess you I'm working, I'm, married, yeah, that's <laughs> right, I'm doing all those things at once. Plus, plus, you have a podcast as well. That's true, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> we haven't done anything on that in a while either, though. When was the last time you guys recorded an episode? Ah, uh, it's been like at least a month. I think probably more than that, actually. Yeah, because your last episode came out. Our podcast is not like this podcast. Not at all like this podcast, but I love it. I <laughs> yeah. love your podcast. I'm super into role-playing games. I am a big D&D guy. Um, I love Dungeons & Dragons. Played a lot. Playing it tonight, actually. Really? Yeah, I yeah. am. Um, our podcast is this, this game called um, Dead Rain. It's the Palladium system and it's essentially like a, a mo- like a modern like zombie apocalypse style like role-playing game and in this podcast we call it urban decay and uh, this is another thing i can plug this is yeah. great yeah. uh 
Yeah, so it's, we call it Urban Decay. We are aware that's a makeup brand. Urban Decay RPG, I believe, is what we're marketing it as because you know, copyrights. Um, and and essentially, the idea is that me and and my friends Ryan and John, uh, we are we play ourselves in like a a version of Calgary that is is like experiencing a zombie apocalypse like yeah. real time. Like the episode starts with our first encounter with like something zombie like. Yeah, know you were driving down 16th yeah. Ave, and I now I never drive down 16th the same way after <laughs> listening to that first episode like yeah. a year ago. <laughs> yeah, so we're, I'm driving down 16th. But it starts. Does it start with me or does it start with John? I think it's you. Either way, we're driving. We're like right in front of you. I don't know. And uh, it's supposed. The idea was like on that day that we first recorded, we were supposed to have had that normal day up until, yeah, like five o'clock or something like that. And then things start happening, and then the, the game is different now. And so I get in like a car crash, and then like a gas station explodes, and the people start getting really weirded out, and and eventually zombies start to show up. And and it's it's a cool game. It's fun. It's like, I mean, it's kind of like Brandon. Brandon Hardy, the great Brandon Hardy is our is our GM. He does an amazing job. He does. Like, I completely enthralled by it. And I love, okay, in the first episode, when you guys go to the grocery store, yeah. and you're standing at the till, <laughs> Shane's trying to pay for his things. The, the, yeah, he, the grocery store's been abandoned. Yeah, the grocery store, nobody's there. It's just like people raiding shelves. Yeah. And Shane's standing at the self-checkout, scanning his items, being like, I gotta pay for this, trying to be like this good, honest dude. Yeah. And they're like, no, dude, like, everything has gone to pot. Like, we need to leave. Just grab the food and go. And you just, like, had this guilt. You're like, well, I mean, <laughs> but it's still working. The machine is still working. Yeah. And, uh, and I love it. Then, like, if you have to play, it's completely changed. It's true. That's the thing about role-playing games. I really like them. Especially as yourself. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's really, it really cool. This is a very unique experience in role-playing games because, yeah, we're playing ourselves. And so we've gone, kind of gone through this transformation from what we actually are like to like the apocalypse versions of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And actually, I've kind of become like the, a little bit of like the cold-blooded, like oh, do the dirty work, like oh, killer yeah. type. Uh, yeah, you've changed. I've changed. It's cool. It's, it's actually really fun. Like I love role-playing games for that reason is because you get to kind of, you get to experiment with kind of living like a... Okay, another life kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like when yeah. you, when you play D and D, you have like this character who has this who has this like has this this life, this this character, this personality. Yeah. And then based on the experiences that you have, you can kind of play with what what happens to that that character and what what, what they become. You know? Yeah, it's kind of some more perspective gaining. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That, and you get to yeah, you get to experiment with other people's experiences or with other people's potential experiences by role playing through something yeah. that you've never experienced in your real life. Yeah, and I know I've. Yeah. Where I just play this psycho barbarian that has like a crazy backstory that I won't. It's probably inappropriate. <laughs> I've I've, I've heard this. You've yeah. told me this story, yeah, and yeah. I would I would concur. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not going to share that on the podcast, but he, you know, he's completely different than how I am because he's completely chaotic. Yeah. Everything about him, he just runs into battle, you know, with this big axe and just it's a disaster. <laughs> yeah. You know, so. I agree. It is a really cool, um, cool experience to kind of put yourself in somebody else's shoes and uh, think about why they do certain things and, and how they live. And I guess especially with your guys is when you're playing yourself. Yeah. And then you're playing yourself put in this zombie apocalypse situation. Yeah. 
I like. Do you feel like it stretches your mind a little bit to see like who who you are? A little bit, yeah, because it's kind of like this, like this. The idea, like when I'm playing, I don't just want to like play it like it's like a video game. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want it to represent kind of what I really kind of feel, or I feel like I I I would feel if the situation was real and it was right in front of me. Yeah. And so yeah, like when I. I mean, when we're playing, there's just one episode. My favorite episode, I think, is the one where we recognize that we need weapons because there's like freaking zombies around, yeah. and so we go to try to raid this gun store. Yeah. And we get there, and it's already been partially raided. And while we're raiding it, more people show up, and then we have this kind of confrontation with them. Yeah. And I'm, I'm forced to like kill a guy for the first time. Like, yeah. like I kill a human being. Yeah, he wasn't even a zombie. Yeah, he, he wasn't was a zombie. Real, and Brandon's description. Yeah, it was. It was. It was kind of traumatizing. I remember, like, I think in the episode I like talk about, like, I'm like. Oh, I feel like I'm gonna throw up. Like I very much actually felt like that way. I was not just like. Uh, Even me listening to it. It was very, it was very kind of startling and a little bit like weird. And then after that, like I kind of, I, I play him a little bit more numb. I play myself a little bit more numb, yeah. to that kind of thing. And and um, I don't know. It's been it's been interesting. I like it. Yeah. I think that well, I think role playing games are making a huge kind of resurgence. Um, very it's recently. A lot more popular too. They are, and I think it's because people are starting to like, the stigma starting to go away. And then people give them the chance and they get to play them and they, they kind of start to recognize like, wow, this is really a, this is a great experience. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not like, it's not like a video game. It's like, it's not like a video game and it's not like a, a storytelling. It's all the best things from both of them mm-hmm. combined. And then you kind of like leave behind all the crappy stuff. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, shared fun. storytelling and all that. It's great. It is really, it is really cool. So I, um, well, we'll wrap things up here. I appreciate you coming on. No, no, you, I appreciate being on. Yeah. How these people live and adopting their culture, even though your dietary choices <laughs> go like completely the opposite. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, and then to come back and, and realizing that you almost start losing that perspective a little bit when you're taken out of it, mm-hmm. and uh, and having to look back and kind of do, I guess, almost mind exercises in, in your role playing games and stuff, and and uh, and kind of putting yourself in different situations that you might not otherwise experience. So, yeah. Thank you for being on the show and sharing uh, your perspectives with us. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate it being here. It's awesome.